Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am merely Andy Barons. I am joined today. It's a crowded house today. I'm joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. And I am joined by Dalton Del Don, the unrivaled king of the hot take. He's basically Stephen A. Del Don. You love him. Um, together, all three of us, we're going to give you some fantasy football thoughts coming out of the 2022 NFL Draft. We are recording on a Sunday night. Absolutely every pick is in. A bunch of undrafted free agents have signed. There's a lot to talk about. Liz and Harmon, of course, recapped the first round of the draft on Thursday. They talked plenty about the A.J. Brown deal, the Hollywood Brown deal. Um, So go listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, And we're not done with draft content after this thing. But um, it, it is a pleasure to be joined by the two of you and to have a chance to break any of this down. Uh, Scott, how are you doing, man? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm a Patriots fan. Draft day is not our favorite day because Bill <laughs> Belichick, Bill Belichick's probably the best coach in NFL history, certainly the best modern coach, but the coach and the personnel director, GM, whatever you want to call it, it's just those are two such demanding jobs where you really can't have a life if you're going to do them well. And the fact that Belichick still has as much authority as he does, I'm not saying he's gravitas. I mean, the guy's brilliant, but he needs more checks and balances in New England. And, you know, the Patriots are going to keep trading down and Banking on the fact that the draft is a very inexact science, try to take more bites at the apple. They took a second round receiver that nobody seemed to have a second round grade on. So it's, um, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of conceding the division of the Bills. I think the Patriots are now kind of stuck in that, oh, yeah, a, a playoff appearance and a first round loss would be a good season. So I'm not, I'm not in the greatest mood. The, the draft was not a fun time for my <laughs> New England uh, text chat. We, we were kind of, you know, scratching our heads for a couple of days. Well, it's tough, right? Because the the Patriots are also they're like the they're like the fantasy manager in your league who's who's never looked at ADP, right? And is definitely not going chalk with any picks. Um, everything surprised me, and that that might be fine, right? It's the NFL. We're we're wrong all the time about the NFL. Uh, my dog feels the same way. You probably just heard her. Um, so I, I don't know. Is, is this just the new Belichick reality? This is going to be his calling card in drafts going forward. To be fair, I have to own the fact that I don't think I'm ever forgiving them for taking Nikhil Harry above Debo Samuel, <laughs> A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, uh, among others. I mean, even like Darius Slayton would look good con- compared to Nikhil Harry. At least they've moved on from that pick. But you know, the Patriots, their their goal to win the draft is is in the most unsexy way possible. You know, when, when the Patriots yeah. beat the Bills in that win game, you got the sense that Belichick was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to win a game without completing a pass? I think Belichick goes into the draft thinking, wouldn't it be cool to draft a bunch of people who nobody really thinks that much of? And then in a year or two, I'll be shown to be a genius. I mean, coaches have egos. You you can't convince me that Sean Payton at the goal line didn't sometimes think, oh, here's a play (laughs) nobody's ever seen that I'll run. And then we'll get all this play on on the various networks. So nobody wants to hear Patriot fans complain. They've had a pretty good couple of decades uh, with that, I will concede the floor to Dalton Del Don, who I'm, I'm sure is probably you know clearing off room for a, a San Francisco 49ers uh, trophy case right now. Yeah, I was just I was just trying to tease one more Nikhil Harry take out of you, uh, Dalton. Yeah, how are you feeling about the Niners draft? 
Well, first of all, McVeigh uh, laughing at the Cole Strange pick by the Patriots was definitely one of the highlights of the draft for All me. And yeah, my favorite team didn't have a pick in the first 60 picks. So, yeah, it's not exactly super exciting as a Niners fan, although, you know, the Debo, will he, will he not go, was this one of the biggest, bigger storylines. Um, depending on what you read, looked like he was for sure going to get traded, but ultimately stayed. And one report had Elijah Moore and basically the entire draft of the Jets, and that would have been quite quite interesting. But uh, ultimately, Debo remains for now. And yeah, the, the Niners, you know, was a very... Like I said, they didn't have a pick in the, you know, until the end of the second round. And they took an edge with that one. Um, Mario Puig uh, is one of Rotowire's best college guys. He follows college stuff uh, closely. And he has uh, me convinced that they're running back, Ty Davis-Price. He says he's going to make Trey Sermon look like Walter Payton. So apparently that he was not a fan of that, of that, LS, <laughs> uh, of that, of that pick either. So there's not, not a ton of, of fantasy ramifications either. But um, and the draft's always fun and entertaining if you, if you, you pick up the, you know, you don't have to sit through the entire thing. But um, I always enjoy the draft. Did it, did any player run out of fantasy value unrelated to injury as quickly as Trey Sermon did last year? Just immediately we knew Seriously, like in a couple weeks of the season, it? you know what, this guy's worthless. Plus we had the perfect scenario, right? We had Raheem Mostert um, going down, unfortunately, to injury like what, like four snaps or something right, into the season. Quarter. And Jeff Wilson and, uh, tore his knee sitting down in a chair to right? the preseason. So everyone, it was wide open. Yes, Sermon, it, it was ugly. And quite clearly, Shanahan doesn't feel too confident that he's going to bounce back. A part of that is losing Mostert and they want to take some of the load off Debo Samuel as a rusher. Even if he does stay, they want to convince him of that. But um, yeah, using the capital already on another running back uh, in the shaky one that looked like a reach, Shanahan. Man, he remains the biggest biggest enigma for me because you know I'm a big Niners fan. But for all the things he does so well, he does other things so so head scratchingly shaky. Uh, not just in game management, but his evaluation of running backs. I mean, Jerick McKinnon he gave a huge contract to his system's so great. Anyone out off the street should be pretty productive. Yet yeah. he, he insists on spending uh, top three round picks year after year on the position. It's bizarre, right? And I, b- I believe they traded up to get that sermon pick too. So it's. You know, it's this double-edged sword where these guys are brilliant tacticians. As you said, Shanahan has made production out of out of some unbelievable. He's gotten production out of some unbelievable backfields with anonymous people, and yet he's capable of, of whiffing on a pick like anybody else. So you know, it's we you want to appeal to the authority. These guys are really smart, but it just shows how difficult the NFL draft is, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Pat, Patrick Mahomes was a middle first round pick, right? I mean. I don't. I don't like to be the guy who defends uh, the Niners necessarily when we have Dalton Del Don on the podcast. But they they did bring in Elijah Mitchell, right? Like they did some things right. That was sure. an absolute home yeah, run. Sure. Uh, it feels yeah. they feel more than any other team probably because the because the Debo situation is not settled and it and it hung over this year's draft. Every team's draft is basically an incomplete at this point. We you know people have to go out there and give draft grades, but everybody should have an incomplete at this stage. But man, the Niners feel more incomplete than any other. And then you look at the like you look at the the actual cost um, to trade for AJ Brown. Um, it wasn't like obviously you have to then sign AJ Brown on the back end of it, and you give him you know a nine figure contract. Um, so that that factors into the to the you know the price that is paid for him via via trade. But it it doesn't seem like Debo's going to fetch that much more than what you just got for AJ Brown. So I, I don't, that, that's I don't always know what a they're double expecting. hit, right? The acquiring yeah. team has to give up something to get the player and then has to secure the player. It's only going to make sense to make that trade if you're going to have them for subsequent seasons and, and you're getting them at a time where they're going to want a big contract. And isn't it fascinating that we're talking all the Niners. We don't even mention the other elephant in the room that what are they going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo and that's what's kind of hanging over some of these teams. At some point, Cleveland's going to do something with Baker Mayfield. And at some point, the Niners, I, I mean, I, I guess they could bring Garoppolo back. But, and it, it's funny, you know, teams, this one, one thing I thought was fascinating in this draft is that teams have accepted in the NFL that you're, you're irrelevant if you don't have a quarterback. This was not a deep quarterback draft. And rather than just say, oh, hey, just give me who's, you know, number three in your quarterback board. We have to take this guy. I don't care. Take them in the slot doesn't make sense. The teams actually pulled back and said, no, uh, that doesn't really make sense to take those guys then. Let's wait. Let the quarterbacks come to us. There's better people down the road. Maybe we'll have to have, use a bridge guy. Again, you know, some of the guys we mentioned earlier, we like Garoppolo and Mayfield could be interesting bridge players. But it's just funny that the team showed interesting restraint at a position where they usually don't show any restraint. Yeah, so this was actually going to be my next topic. Do you think, um, do you think this is a permanent state, right? Or, or is this just about 
everybody wanting to be in on next year's draft class? Is this more about like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and, and perhaps less about, you know, Willis, Pickett, Corral, whoever else, um, Ritter? Um, is it, does it maybe have something to do with the fact that almost everybody in last year's draft class face planted to some extent or other, if, if we even saw them at all, right? Like you have the Niners just sitting on Trey Lance, Justin Fields was no great shakes outside the Pittsburgh game, you know, like nobody wowed, obviously the Trevor Lawrence situation was complicated by the worst coaching, uh, uh, scenario in uh, recent NFL history. But like nobody wowed anybody last year. So I don't know, Dalton, what was your what was your read on that on the basically the fall of pretty much every quarterback prospect? Hey, I'm surprised that no one did uh, jump. I mean, quarterback's the most important position. Willis, we saw that big highlight he made. And there's you know, a ton of uh, theoretical upside there. But I have seen the argument that the Niners were smart by trading up last year to go after the position with such a, a apparently bad class the following year. But of course, that's begging the question. And Lance was, you know, valuable, which is obviously uh uh, up in the air, you know, he has three, he started three football games since 2019. But yeah, it, it's definitely surprised me. It's by far the most important position. Uh, I thought it'd be funny if Atlanta went with Willis after drafting Ritter. I mean, that would have been interesting to keep drafting the position. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I am surprised that it happened. And I but I would just take it as this this draft class is is very, very weak at the position, as was reported. Remember, Washington famously took Kirk Cousins in the same draft where they took yeah. RG3. Yeah, right. And, you know, RG3, of course, didn't really have a chance with his health. And then Cousins turned into a above average quarterback, although he's still kind of polarizing. I hope history remembers when you look back at the 2021 quarterback class that the player who outkicked his expectations the most in his first year by far was Davis Mills, who I, I still think yeah. might be a, a decent NFL player. I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be a star. And it's easy to give Trevor Lawrence a pass because, and look, I, I know, you know, there's like the argument, give Sam Darnold a pass. Look at how poorly he was set up, you know, set up to fail basically with the Jets. And then he, you know, failed on his own, you know, pretty miserably in Carolina last year. But uh, I think Lawrence is going to be fine. You know, Mac Jones is, is very vanilla. If you, if you want to get, drink your milk to the bottom of the class, study all night and get a B, Mac Jones is your guy. But um, <laughs> I, I just want to say as, as we're talking about how much of, of the misses last year's quarterbacks were, I want to say that, Davis Mills on a team that wasn't trying, that was dismantling things, that had a coach. It was clearly, you know, not a long-term solution, just an organization in disarray. I thought he acquitted himself quite well. In fact, I'll, I'll compare him to one of my favorite current NFL non-starting quarterbacks. I think he's kind of like a Gardner Minshew. He's a guy who came in with low expectations, outkicked them. And at some point, you know, if Houston doesn't view him as a starter, I think teams should get uh, Mills on the cheap, the way Philadelphia got Minshew on the cheap. I, I know, obviously, they're set up for Hurts right now and everything like that. But I think Davis Mills can play. And I, and I think he would have made a lot of sense for some of these quarterback-hungry teams. I think they probably regret not taking him last year. You know, splits aren't aren't perfect by any means, but Mills are crazy. Last year at home, seven-game sample, almost 220 attempts, 7.9 YPA, 12 touchdowns, one interception. I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm very interested in Mills, and I hope Houston gives him a, a chance moving forward. With one good receiver, right? I mean, you had Brandon Cooks and, and a bunch of anonymous guys, right? Yeah. That's like a, uh, that's like a Big Ben home road split from back in the days. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. Who do you think outside of – I mean, I think we all assume that Kenny Pickett at some point is going to get a look probably early in the season. He's probably the only uh, member of this rookie class quarterback who has any realistic shot of starting week one. Um, outside of Pickett, so we'll set him aside uh who of all these rookie quarterbacks who do you expect to see the most from in 2022 as far as who plays the most i have a feeling ritter will probably get a lot of playing time in atlanta mariota now granted we, we've already seen um arthur smith you know pull off a miracle with a quarterback on his on his second you know nfl life so maybe there's hope for mariota but I, I, Ritter's an interesting guy. It, it, he's just, and I know you can say this about a lot of players. If you watch the right snaps, the right plays on Ritter, he looks like a first round pick and you watch the right, the wrong plays. And you're like, okay, you're lucky to get a backup, you know, NFL career out of him. But I thought he was an interesting pick where Atlanta got him. It's a time where they're rebuilding. I mean, you know, they obviously traded Julio Jones last year. They traded Matt Ryan this year. It's a reboot season for them. I have a feeling we'll see six to eight starts from Ritter this year. Yeah, Ritter's yeah, Ritter, definitely the play there because Willis, you know, is behind uh, Tannehill. And even though I tried to hype up Mariota the last pod we had together, Andy, um, yeah, I am afraid that Ritter will get some some run 
this season. And uh, I don't have a strong take as far as these quarterbacks because I don't follow college football, admittedly. But Pickett, to me, just seemed like a reach from the little I had read. And and the other two, far more upside. And the fact that he was taken so much higher in the draft just looks pretty bad in hindsight. But could be wrong. But I mean, Pickett, would, if not for that, uh, you know, for, for the COVID season, he would be, he would be, he would be like out of the league. Wouldn't be, it would have been undrafted last year. But um, what, what, what oh, you guys would have never gotten a look. Yeah. And right. to be fair with, with the Steelers, okay, look at the conference they're in. And even if we go a little bit more micro, look at the division they're in, okay? The the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, who has an MVP on his mantle. The Browns just went for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> the Bengals Burrow. have Joe Burrow, who we're all yeah. in love with, who just went to the Super Bowl, and they stacked the, the fridge for him. They probably felt like there's the one team who said, okay, maybe this is the desperation play, but we get to try to find something. I, I think everybody has to have realistic expectations about what Mitch Trubisky is and isn't at this point. So if there was one team who was like, oh, and other, the other thing with Pittsburgh is that they've, they've had winning seasons so consistently. And it's not a team that can say a lot of other teams can be like, OK, look, it's just not going to be our year. We'll go five and 12. You know, we'll, we'll circle the wagons a little bit. Pittsburgh has the burden of they've been so good that they don't want, that's not an option for them. They're like, no, no, we have to contend for a playoff spot every year. We have to think yeah. that we can win our division. And so maybe they're the one team that said, okay, this doesn't make sense, but we, we're desperate. We get a hope that what Pickett showed last year is is more of, of what he is and and just bet on the upside and look o- overlook the flaws. You know, I, I the one team that I can see why they did it because of the conference they're in and the pressure they feel from the division that they're in. One one thing I'll say about Pickett, and this will this will sound a little bit like a knock, and I don't I don't I don't mean it that way. Um, but when when you when you sit down and watch a bunch of his uh, a bunch of his games, he was throwing to Jordan Addison, and Jordan Addison's going to be a star. Like Jordan Addison, and I, like he's probably going to be in next year's draft class. Um, I can't, I can't believe there's three better receivers in the country than that kid. Um, he was sensational. Again, not saying that he made Pickett's season, not at all. Um, but he was unbelievable. And he, like, as you watch their games, like there's, there's one very clear pro uh, on the field uh, for Pittsburgh. And it was definitely Addison. In my, in my view, it was definitely Addison. I, I know it's not apples and oranges, but that's always one of the toughest things to do with quarterbacks is, you know, Burrow's great season at LSU, how much of it was Chase, how much of it was Jefferson. Yeah. We've been discussing Tua forever. You know, how great was he really at Alabama when he just had everything stocked for him? And, of course, they've done a really good job of rebooting that Miami offense. So we'll, we'll know. We will finally know if Tua Tagliavilla is any good because he's 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 set up to really succeed this year. But uh, but I hear you with Pickett. And, again, you know, Pittsburgh is not LSU. Pittsburgh is not Alabama. Nobody right. knows, not right. Georgia, nothing like that. But, um, but I think that's a valid point that when you have one guy who's dragging you to success, it, it makes you wonder – that's that's the tough part about the NFL in general, right? Is is how much of any offense's success is the play calling, is the blocking, it's is impossible the quarterback, to isolate is, is the receiver, anything, is the right, clear yeah. out receiver. You know, I this it's so hard to attribute to give attribution, and, and even in things that we we should be able to agree on, it's like oh Jerry Rice is the best receiver of all time. Well, no, no, he played with Montana and and, Ra, and Young and and Joe Wall, uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Walsh. Bill, be great if Joe Walsh was an NFL coach. <laughs> if Bill Rice Walsh, would have succeeded with Joe Walsh, that would have been yes, something. Yes, yes. Joe, Joe Walsh was calling the plays. But that's how great the Niners were. Joe Walsh, <laughs> Bill Walsh would actually script the first 15, and then Joe Walsh would take it from there. And then Henley, you know, Don Henley was the uh, the goal line package guy, and then Glenn Fry did the trick plays and special teams. But um, anyway, yeah, it's hard. Attribution's hard in the NFL because there are so many moving parts. You know, we're, we're still going to argue, argue Brady Belichick for the end of time, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's really the answer is a little of both of them. But that's just attribution is a really hard game in the NFL. So we've we've talked the quarterbacks. Um, let's let's get to the running backs a little bit. We don't have to discuss everyone. I want to I want to talk about the top tier running back that Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. Um, I thought they landed in curious spots, not bad spots necessarily. Um, but I'm I'm just I will start with you, Dalton. How do these backfields shake out? So Brees Hall joins the Jets. They had Michael Carter. Michael Carter's little. Um, he's pretty good last year. He's pretty good. I don't know that he, obviously they don't see him as a full workload guy. Hall profiles much more as that sort of every down back. He's got prototypical size, right? I think he's like 220. He's big. Uh, caught a bunch of passes in his last couple seasons at Iowa State. He's really good. Um, but maybe that's a maybe that's a 60-40 thing. Maybe it's a 70-30 thing. I don't know. Obviously, it dings uh, Carter to a great extent. 
And then talk to me about talk to me about Walker to Seattle. That that came a bit out of nowhere. It's possible that this means that the Chris Carson injury situation is just that bad and that he's done. I, I hope that's not the case, but I can't think of another reason why you would add yet another running back. Brees Hall, I've moved with my, my 20th running back. I looked up the ECR and fantasy pros right now. That's exactly what he is. So not much of a hot take there. Uh, it's not, it's not a great landing spot for Hall, but uh, he, he has the measurables in, in the pr- college production. He would have been, you know, possibly a top 10 pick in previous drafts. It's just that we've, you know, the NFL has gotten smarter about addressing that position. So don't exactly look at his capital and, and compare it to, to the past. And speaking of ba- draft capital, Michael Carter, only a fourth rounder. So as much as he did impress at times last year, I think he's going to take a back seat here. And the Jets are really interesting with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, now Garrett Wilson. Um, it's all up to, to Zach Wilson. So um, I, I like Hall. Everyone's going to like Hall. He'll be, you know, a top, you know, top 20 back immediately and walker you hate that spot i really hate that spot um, first of all pete carroll loves veterans so it's going to take a penny injury and penny was the best running back in football for a six-week stretch in t in the year obviously very injury prone there and i do think this is an indictment on chris carson's health i think there's a big question mark he plays at all um so you could very easily see a, a couple quick injuries and suddenly he's on a establish it seattle team and it could could be good <laughs> even with drew drew lock playing quarterback there but they're going to score far fewer points uh seattle at offense is going to take a setback obviously the quarterback taking a big uh, downgrade there. And I, I actually have uh, four other rookies ranked uh, higher than Walker for this year's redraft, a couple more upside uh, backups. But, but, but yeah, I, I think he's definitely behind Hall, given the landing spot. Tell me, tell me the order in which you ranked the Seattle backs. So I still have Penny highest and, and then, then Walker. And I, I'm, I'm considering uh, Carson just a total afterthought based on their actions, but Penny was so, so good. And I, again, I think yeah. uh, that Carroll is, well, even it doesn't matter drafting Walker early. He really likes veterans and makes those rookies earn it. So I think it would take an injury for, for Walker to take away significant uh, work from, from Penny. What, am I off on that? Penny got to be higher, right? Well, I'll, you know, I, maybe I'll hold back my ranks and ask Scott what, uh, how he's got the, uh, the Seattle backfield playing out. First of all, I, I want to say that I, I might be a little bit more excited about Hall than some other people because remember, the Jets lost Becton, their franchise tackle, like basically when the season started. Yeah, and their offensive line fell apart. I'm still not ready to. I think Zach Wilson still has uh, all sorts of upside. I, I thought he was an interesting pick at the time, and I, I think there's a good chance that he could be. I, I like the the coaching staff of the Jets. I think they're actually an interesting team. I I came like. Granted, they drafted the type of stuff that gets our attention for fantasy, but I, I think because they had so much draft capital, they made that great tra- trade with Seattle. I'm, and, and who knows? Maybe I just spend too much time with Michael Salfino, so I end up, you know, being a little bit more sold on the Jets than other people. <laughs> but I think Hall is. I think they just thought Michael Carter was more of, of just kind of, you know, a little bit more than just a guy, and and they think Hall can be a special player, and they drafted up to get him. And um, you know, consensus RB twenty. I might even go higher than that. In the case of Seattle. There's two ways to look at this. Yes. Does Pete Carroll like veterans? Yes. But Pete Carroll also has always said during his entire coaching career, whether college or pro, that he wants competition. He wants people to come in and compete every day and battle. And he's willing to flip uh, depth chart positions. I I think they're pretty much admitting that Carson's just not going to be somebody they can count on health wise. But they've buried Penny's been in the doghouse and or hurt so many times in his Seattle years that I think there's a decent chance that Walker ends up being their primary guy. Now the thing with Walker and we've learned our lesson with, with, you know, with Jonathan Taylor and other running backs is that Walker didn't catch the ball that much and in college and you will see what happens. I mean, he can't do it. Does it, you know, AG Dillon, we we were led to believe this guy literally couldn't catch a pass at Boston college and he's been a pretty good uh, receiver at green Bay. So we'll see how Walker is used in Seattle, but I think I'm more proactive on Walker. The, the thing is, you can't certainly can't draft him as somebody you need right away. He's going to have to be a development pick. But I think if nothing else, he'll be the running back too on opening day. And all he'll need is a maybe a penny fumble, maybe a penny missed assignment, maybe a penny injury. And there's been plenty of those in the last few years. So I think I'm probably going to be a little bit more bullish on Walker than the rest of the market. Yeah, to your point about competition in Seattle, that's how you end up with Thomas Rawls. That's how you end up with Chris Carson in the first place, right? Those guys um, clearly not, you know, not acquired in spots where you'd expect them to uh, to be full workload featured guys. Um, I actually, I actually have Walker on top of the of the Seattle backfield, not by a lot. I ranked a little bit like a coward, right? I put him pretty close to Penny. Um, I imagine they want those two to be some sort of tandem. Not that they've 
necessarily run a tandem uh, every season. And I almost took Chris Carson out of the ranks. Like, I just think this is, maybe this is me reading so too, way too much into it. And obviously Pete Carroll is going to say glowing things about Chris Carson's recovery right up until he can't play. Um, Cause that's what Carroll does. But um, this, this just seems like really bad news for Carson, right? It was, I, I have I think just it was, moved Chris Carson uh, to the second to last spot on my running back board above the, the mercy ranking I have reserved for Chris Sermon. <laughs> That's yeah. where that's where that's basically where I'm at. Penny even led Jonathan Taylor finished first in rush yards over expectation for what it's worth. He was really, really unreal. The final five games he ran yeah. for 671 yards. Um, but if you wanted to rank Walker higher just because, you know, whatever he's going to be. I mean, Penny's also the I'm also the guy drafting Alberto Mondesi, you know, and he's tearing his knee 15 games into the year <laughs> trying to run back into first base. You know, I mean, and, and Penny is absolutely that player. So he could win your fantasy league, but or he could also just, you know, immediately get hurt. So, well, of course, um, I, in the I, TGFBI, I made sure to make sure that Jacob deGrom and, and Alberto Mondesi were, were on the same team. So, no. you know, I can basically throw that once once you get yeah. this deep into the fantasy baseball season you can start playing favorites it's like okay well, who are my good teams i'm gonna water those plants and put them <laughs> by the sun and and all that and, and, and the other ones will go in the basement and, and they'll fend for themselves remember one other problem with seattle okay i'm not saying you can't be fantasy valuable on a bad team but this is set up to be the worst seattle team we've seen in a long time this could yeah. easily be a four or five win team. So playing from behind in that division. Sorry to cut you off, but think of yeah, their sure. opponents. I mean, they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and Walker can't catch the ball from what I see. When I know, so, so maybe, maybe it's a case where there's no right answer there. And then the the quarterback options that we're down to are are not guys who are going to move the needle. Not that anybody's terribly excited about Drew Locke, but I don't know. Are you terribly excited about Baker Mayfield, Nick Foles? Like this is what's out there. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to. You know, the Niners aren't going to facilitate a move to Seattle. Uh, and then, and then we're done, right? Like there's, there's not a lot of other options. Yeah. Carol even said, Geno Smith is a favorite to start right now. So yeah, I, I moved DK Metcalf down. I tried to talk myself into, you know, it'll be more targets. It won't be as efficient, but you simply have to, you have to with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a big step back from Drew Locke, even though fantasy wise, he's been aggressive, but it's, yeah, it's going to be uh, definitely a step down for Russell Wilson. It feels crazy to say this because Metcalf and uh, Lockett are still there. Seattle is is almost like a fantasy dead zone for me right now because I'm just afraid the team's going to be terrible. Yeah. The quarterback's going to be a revolving door. And then it's going to be, you know, is, is this it for Pete Carroll? Has he lost his touch? Is he too old to be an NFL coach? And and then, you know, at the end of the year, it's going to be like, okay, we had a great run here. You know, I'm proud of what we've done. You know, so, well, Pete, well, what, are your, what are your statement on uh, going 5-12 and 12 in your last season? You know, like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm not close to the door on coming back, but... I I don't want to draft. I've always wanted to draft DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, especially Lockett. And, and you guys know I was a huge Doug Baldwin fan for years. I I am looking away from the Seahawks. I just don't want to. To me, it's like staring at the sun. It's like looking at the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. I, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, the the best case scenario right now for Metcalf or Lockett feels like a feels like a trade, right? Feels like relocation, not anything that can possibly happen for them in Seattle. Let's uh, let's let's pivot to maybe a more fantasy rich environment and uh, and talk about the Packers for just a second, right? Because the Packers have something like 240 wide receiver targets that have been vacated. And you know, we know that they have some veterans who are going to be part of the solution. Uh, they also brought in Christian Watson uh, out of North Dakota State. What, what is so? Watson is a guy who I, I think in his in his uh, most uh, voluminous uh, game last year, maybe caught six passes. Right, finished the season with forty some receptions, eight hundred yards. Not a high volume passing offense. Obviously, it was his best season. Better than better than. Better than the year that he had with the great Trey Lance, in fact, um, but just hyper athletic, right? Six foot five, um, tested at the top of the charts and basically everything. So pretty exciting prospect facing a big learning curve. What do you guys think is realistic for for Watson in year one? I, I ranked Lazard the highest Packers receiver. Niners fan wanted uh, Watson because of the Lance connection, but you said it. Yeah, big learning curve. Um, my takeaway is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon both might finish top fifteen fantasy backs in PPR leagues. Maybe even both top ten. Yeah. Both pot top ten. Honestly, they might. Because if you look at the on-off splits without Adams and Aaron Jones, it's just insane the amount of targets increases without Adams. So there's going to be a lot of dump offs and a lot of touches from both their, those running backs because it is just a weak wide receiver and tight end group. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not that bull. I, it's a nice spot for Watson but I'm not ranking him totally aggressively and, and excited to draft him like I said I'm probably going to draft Lazard over him 
Yeah, so I've got Lazard at wide receiver 35. I've had him in the mid-30s for, I don't know, a, a month or so. Um, I thought he was a pretty clear winner here. Um, I think I think you might be right that Aaron Jones leads the team, the team in receiving, uh, maybe in both receiving yards and receptions. But like I thought this played out about as well as it possibly could for Lazard. I don't know. Uh, how do you handicap it, Scott? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I, I was going to ask you if wide receiver 39 was too high on Lazard, and I'm not even the highest Lazard <laughs> guy in the room. So... You know, with Aaron Rodgers, it, it feels like like he was in college and he left some raging party and everybody's like, oh, come back, come back. This is like the greatest party. Come back, come back. Oh, OK, I'll come back. Oh, well, Devonta Adams is gone. And we drafted a receiver that, you know, this obvious case for, you know, maybe he's just a guy. And oh, Sammy Watkins is around. Uh, oh, Randall Cobb, you know him, right? You guys are friends, right? You met during orientation. <laughs> I, 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 this is what Aaron Rodgers came back for, for this. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they get two great running backs. That that's great, and I and I realize that they've been successful in the Lafleur era, but I I think there's a chance for for one thing. I don't care how late he slips. I'm not drafting Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be like you're going to get the position, the very unusual position. It's like, oh my god, Aaron Rodgers is still available. I can't believe the people who are already getting drafted over the defending two time MVP. You know, and I don't I don't want any part of it. I'll take Lazard. He's going to lead the team in targets. He's, he's going to probably just fall into like a thousand yards and seven or eight touchdowns. And remember, Rodgers is a circle of trust guy. And it hard, it's hard to get Aaron Rodgers' cell number and in that circle of trust. Lazard is in that circle of trust. I don't know anybody else here who I'd be excited about. Amari Rodgers showed almost nothing last year. Maybe we'll see more of the touchdowns distributed to the Jones and Dylan effect. And, and they'll try to play a lot of power football. But I, I think Aaron Rodgers may privately to confidants say, you know, I, I made a mistake. I, I should have tried to go somewhere else. I should have retired. I, I knew, and I, they say that he knew that Adams was on the way out, that he wasn't blindsided by that. It just feels like he's in a ghost town right now. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Rogers has lobbied for more Lazard at various points uh, over the past couple of years. So I think that's a pretty good sign. There's also still, I don't know, Jarvis Landry's hanging out there. Maybe he does something for you. There are clearly some receivers who could still be on the move. We already talked about Debo, uh, that either of the Seattle guys could could potentially be on the move. You have to throw a bunch of money at them, but um, that that is a thing that could still happen. But for you know another another thing you said that that sticks in my mind is is that like I'm almost embarrassed by some of the quarterbacks I have ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers right now. I've got him in like you know I've got Derek Carr well ahead of him. Oh, wow, uh, that well is a hot take. I like it. I've, you oh, nobody, there's nobody who would take an even money bet Carr versus Rogers for fantasy right now, assuming full health. Nobody would touch that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Derek Carr is going to throw for five thousand yards. He almost did last year. He almost did last year. Think about the season. The Raiders. Derek Carr's a good that's... player, and he just got yeah. a player who he had an unbelievable connection with. I know the Fresno State days were a long time ago, but it's not like he and Adams need to introduce each other to themselves. Adams you know? chose him. Like Adam, Adams chose to go to Vegas, right, and to play with Derek Carr. That means something. They're I, I they're mean, ranked Derek back to back in fantasy pros ECR. I take it back. It's not that hot of a take. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> ranked fourteenth and fifteenth. Do right you think now. Las Vegas is a more cosmopolitan area than Green Bay? I, how would we handicap that? <laughs> Close. Not for me to say. Not for me to say. Um, what else? Let's let's talk about um, let's talk about incoming rookies that we that we like long term in Dynasty. Um, maybe not so much redraft in year one, but you really like them as a player to hold for two or three seasons. Um, Dalton, who do you got here? Uh, I'll give a couple just quickly because Malik Willis is is one. If someone wants to expand on more, he just is obviously not ready right away, but he can just run yeah. really well. I've heard compared basically it's Lamar Jackson and then him in the last decade of the best uh, runners. So even if he doesn't develop as a passer, fantasy upside is you, right there it, immediately. Yeah, it, to your, to your point there, if you if you start looking at missed and I like I realize that this some of this has to do with who they play. Right. But if you start looking at missed tackle numbers, it's just Malik Willis and Lamar Jackson and nobody else is in the discussion. And then one other one. Um, I don't know if this counts because it's going to it may be for this exact exercise, because it may require uh, Brady staying uh, playing a few more years. <laughs> but I like Rashad White in, in Tampa Bay. Yeah. It looks like there's a lot of upside with his ability. So if somehow. Uh, Leonard Fournette uh, goes down or leaves. Obviously, he's returning this year. He's resigned him. Looks like he could be a three-down role with Brady as your QB. Is you know that's Yahtzee. So I like White quite a bit. Well, so stash him this year, you know, in case. But in the future, if if Fournette were to leave, the, the guys I'll focus on. I, I mentioned Walker. How I did like him in Seattle, but maybe this year the team's a train wreck. But I think he's going to be a fun fantasy player in a couple of years. This is almost just too obvious. The tight end position is always a learning position and rookie tight ends usually disappoint us, but Trey McBride was the first tight end off the board for a reason. And I think he's going to have a really good career. It's just not going to happen right away. 
and I was interested, look, maybe it's just because Pittsburgh is always right when they go value at wide receiver, but they took this kid, George Pickens, who's coming off an ACL injury. He did get back on the field last year for Georgia, but he couldn't play really much. I, I'm just, I've seen like 15 guys in a row work out for the Steelers when they pick in this type of pocket. And so I'm thinking maybe Pickens has a almost like a red shirt year, you know, get back to full health, learn the league. We'll figure out who our quarterback is. But uh, I, I would think that just because the Steelers have drafted that position so well, and this is a guy who was an impact player at a high profile college program. I'm really curious to see what Pickens becomes what, in a couple of seasons. Was there a better moment in the draft than Chase Claypool being sent up to announce the George Pickens pick? I'm like somebody in the Steelers front office is just an absolute assassin. Um, that was, by, that by, was incredible by the way, to me. That, that's who the Packers need. Chase Claypool is, Ooh, is a talented player, but yeah, at, at times he's kind of a pain in the neck to the Steelers. Get Chase Claypool to the Packers and everybody can be happy. Yeah. This won't really happen. Call. Won't happen. Makes too much sense. <laughs> the problem with the Packers is they don't want to admit that they need like the whole time it was Adams and nobody. Well, like, oh, we're fine. Uh, backup quarterback. Got it. You know, we don't we don't need any help. Admitting the problem is the first is the first thing you have to do. Accepting the problem. <laughs> two two names I'm going to throw out in this category of guys that that I probably want in two years and not necessarily this year. Um, the the first would be Sky Moore. Who landed, who landed with the Chiefs. So like things work out for Sky Moore and he's going to spend his entire playing career with Patrick Mahomes. That's pretty good. Obviously, terribly athletic. Um, pretty, pretty good route runner. Didn't necessarily run every route there, there was in uh, an NFL playbook. Huge hands, right? He's got like 10 and a quarter inch hands, something like that. Um, just, a, just a really interesting athlete. Um, high level of produ- production last year. A guy that I wanted for the Bears, but the Bears were thinking other things. Uh, they were thinking about not supporting Justin Fields in any obvious way. Um, so I think more can be a thing. And then actually, I, I I thought Scott might mention Pierre Strong later pick for the Patriots. Um, one of the one of the things that I thought the Patriots did really well, uh, and and one of the one of the really the only sort of brand name is a little bit strong with uh, with prospects like this. But um, one of the only semi buzzy prospects that the Patriots I think actually landed. Uh, guy with four three seven speed, hugely productive uh, college player, albeit at a at a sort of lower level, um, out of the way, out of the limelight situation. But um, incredible athlete, and that is a team obviously that has Ramondre Stevenson. But um, we've got we've got Damian Harris coming into into what might be his final year in New England. Uh, Strong could get interesting on the back end of that, but I would, but I would defer to Pianowski on, for his. Well, it's crazy with the Patriots draft is if you want to call it strange, you can call it strange. If you want to call it strong, <laughs> you can call it strong. And I also want to mention you mentioned the big hand size um, for receiver. I, Tyquan Thompson, the Patriots' second round receiver, who had a round three, round four, maybe even round five grade, uh, noted for his small hands. Don't you just love a receiver? It's like, oh yeah, small hands, good. We don't we don't want them burdened by you know big flippers that can go out and you know give them a good catch radius and it's gonna weigh yeah. you down every every extra quarter inch on the hands that just that just weighs yeah, you down so makes you slower won't won't be bothered by that but yeah Sky Moore is is somebody I think I mean look the Hardman thing I guess just isn't gonna happen in Kansas City we'll see if MVS becomes a thing but anytime you take a skill set like Sky Moore and then you throw him into the womb of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes it's um, you wouldn't expect miracles right away because you know it's just the way football works. But it, it, you get a figure there's going to be some really fun gadgetry, or just there's going to be mom- there's going to be moments where you know red zone is going to cut to Kansas City and Sky Moore just scored like a seventy two yard touchdown or yeah. something like that. All right, Dalton, give me a give me a veteran who was a pretty clear winner based on based on his team's draft. So I'm not sure if these guys qualify as vets, but uh, they've been in the league. And Jalen Hurts is a is a clear winner oh, yeah. with um, them team not drafting a quarterback, which Philly's been threatening to do, and then trading for AJ Brown. But I actually moved Rashad Bateman even high. the person I moved the most up my rankings would probably be Bateman with uh, Hollywood Brown being traded away from from Baltimore. And I'm a big believer in Lamar bouncing back. So um, I, Bateman. Where, was where do you have Bateman right now? Man, I bumped I him know. so far up. I have him 23. Yeah. 23 that feels right. Yeah. And his ECR is 43. So that's just behind. I mean, that's just, you know, they're just, they haven't reacted yet, but I mean, I would assume that, yes, yeah, see, I, I bumped him up. That's probably where I had him before, but yeah, big, big move up with Hollywood Brown uh, leaving Baltimore. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It's fun to see, even though I don't know what I'm going to do with AJ Brown, um, you know, Jalen Hurts gets supported. 
Uh, Kyler Murray gets a field stretcher and he, and he gets an exciting tight end, although I don't know what McBride will do his first season. I agree with the Bateman upgrade. And you know, the, when we last saw Buffalo, Gabriel Davis was scoring 17 touchdowns against Kansas City and Devin Singletary was looking like a pretty bona fide running back. And they were not threatened by the draft. The Bills went in other directions. And so the problem with Davis is just everybody's going to want to draft him next year. So you have to decide how much you want to get caught up in the helium. But just from a fan of talent and a fan of ascending players and a fan of the last time I saw the guy, he scored four touchdowns. I'm excited that Gabriel Davis, it looks like the runway is clear and he's ready for, you know, wheels up. He's ready for, for takeoff. In I have him ranked literally right next to Bateman. Couldn't agree more. 24. Oh, so same. bullish. Yeah. So bullish. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got them. I've got them both as wide receiver twos. I, I, I can't like, I was having this, uh, I was having that debate in, in my head for a little bit today before we jumped on the pod. Right. They're so close for me. Um, I like that you mentioned Devin Singletary and I, I read some, some quick post draft takes about him perhaps being a loser because the bills bring in James cook, which, which isn't, which isn't nothing. Right. Um, but the team's general manager immediately described him as a, like in uh, in an otherwise flattering portrayal, immediately described him as a sub back, right? They're bringing him in essentially to fill the role that they had envisioned for J.D. McKissick. Now, the, the Bills had been linked to Brees Hall, and, and Brees Hall would have been a huge flaming problem for, for Devin Singletary, right? He's, he's bigger. He's an every-down guy. Singletary last year, if you look at, if you include the, the postseason, you look at his last seven games, nine touchdowns, 90 scrimmage yards per week. He was handling 18 touches per game, like, and it worked um, right up until the, the thriller that got them knocked out of the playoffs, right? Like, he was great. And I feel like knowing that Buffalo was going to draft a running back, this is pretty much the best case scenario. They, they went with somebody who was going to be primarily a pass catcher who can probably step in to a, something close to a full workload if he has to for a couple games, but a player that they absolutely don't like a 190 pound player who's again, really good, but not somebody that they envision as a 300 touchback. So I thought Singletary was actually a pretty clear winner. Also, we have to be careful with coach speak, but there is coach speak that Buffalo doesn't want Josh Allen to run quite as much next year. And right. maybe not as much. I mean, I, I think he led all quarterbacks in, rushing attempts at the goal line or inside the 10 or whatever it was. I mean, Josh Allen is a bad man when he wants to run the ball, but he's also one of the most valuable properties in the NFL as a thrower of the football. And it just, just comes to a point where it's just not worth it for him to play maybe as recklessly as he has at times during his career. So maybe some of the Josh Allen production. Yeah, and, and again, you know, we see how teams handle this, right? When it, when it comes down to money time in the playoffs or, you know, maybe you, you let the reins go on Allen and run as much as you need to, but I could see Josh Allen maybe giving back 200 rushing yards into the pool of backfield next year. And we don't think Zach Moss is, is, can really play either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer that Singletary is somebody who would be a very solid running back to next season. All right. I definitely have a counter for Singletary here. So I've been the, the high man in the ranks with Singletary for most uh, of the offseason and drafting him in any league I can. Because uh, as Andy pointed out, he ended the year clearly back on arguably the best roster in football. I mean, he was a clear guy. But there's a concern here with Dalvin's little brother joining from what I've read. Again, I haven't watched uh, James Cook play at all in college, but uh, a couple tweets. The first one from Jacob Gibbs. Oh, so targets per route run over the last four years. James Cook leads all the major backs. Michael Carter, Dondre Swift, ETN, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Najee Harris. The same in yards per route run. So he's like the most effective out of the backfield of the past four years uh, of, of college backs. Devin Singletary has run the fourth most routes among backs the last two years and ranks 180th in targets 198th in yards per route run so he's really bottom of the barrel there so and the most you know the safest fantasy backs these days are the guys that are in the passing down role um here's tez seth tweeting this explosive run rate in college is the best predictor of rushing success in the nfl james cook is number one ahead of kenneth walker and Brees hall so i don't know it looks to me like james cook might be a threat here but Andy, uh, P&L, you guys watch foot, college football more than me. Is, am, I, am I off base with that, with that concern? Because well, again, I, I, I love I'll say that you're, I'll say that you're not off base in that Cook is really good. Like, he's really good. And I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a star in his role sort of guy, right? But again, um, pretty clearly, I think, not built for a, for yeah, a full smaller, NFL yeah, work. Smaller than his brother, big time, right? Right, right. Yeah. Not even close. Like, they look alike until, until you see them in in whole and then they and then they don't he's a he's a much smaller player I think he's I think he's a great receiving option I think he was a smart pick he was a he's a fun pick for Buffalo generally I don't I think there's almost they no tried to sign McKissick I don't think I added that sorry if I repeated myself but they, they tried to sign McKissick too so they clearly want that 
passing down and role. They, so they, I worry. I mean, that they were about gonna... as direct as you could possibly be in the post draft press conference yeah. in discussing what they expected from Cook, and it was they they are absolutely not throwing him into a scenario where he's going to be competing for like early down touches anytime soon. Fair. In PPR leagues, though, my eyes are right on him. And I'd be remiss if we didn't oh, sure. say they got the punt god as well, too, the Bills. It's every, I mean, they just totally won the draft. Well, also, once once you said the name Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I just got the shakes because you know, I just remember <laughs> when, when he was pushed into the top five of, of ADP, you know, it's like, oh my God, Andy Reid got this perfect puzzle piece and Williams opted out. Daryl you know, Williams just, played on passing downs over him even last year. Like, what? crazy yeah. so yeah maybe college production out of the backfield isn't perfect translation that's that's fair certainly ceh it wasn't i don't want to get lost in the uh, in punter talk but the punt <laughs> god going as the third overall punter was amazing was to me so good and then also amazing to me was the fact that he later said um that he's really going to have a chip on his shoulder so good we have, we have punters <sighs> talking about their draft status team that and never how they're going to remember anyway. yeah I, you know, exactly I, I think Seriously, the Bills just scored like 19 straight touchdowns against the Patriots, man. I mean, it was just embarrassing. I was begging New England just to go for it on fourth down because they couldn't stop Buffalo anyway. Um, okay, real quick. Each of you, give me a player who was a pretty clear loser based on his team's draft, and neither of you are allowed to say Justin Fields because that's my territory. I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill, man. I, I don't know how he's going to. Look at that roster. And this is the team. They were the number one seed. It's going to be like the trivia question. Who was the number one seed in the AFC last year? Oh, uh, who seriously. was it? Wait a minute. Oh, it was Tennessee. They're not going to make the playoffs. The Colts are going to win. And Tennessee's going to be like a 7-10 and 10 team. And then Ryan Tannehill is somebody you don't want for fantasy. Yeah, hard to argue with that one. For me, Antonio Gibson, they brought back McKissick and then added Brian Robinson Jr. in the draft. It's a big downgrade for me. It's It sucks. I mean, Rob uh, uh, Gibson could have been a late first-round fantasy pick, but as is, you know, I, I most certainly not. <laughs> okay, I, let's, let's stay there for a second because I haven't actually downgraded. Uh, get, like, I think Robinson's fine. Maybe maybe this is me wanting to give Gibson and I listen. I don't have like a bunch of dynasty shares of Gibson or anything like that. I'm I'm pretty close to agnostic about him, but um, I I did think that his season last year was pretty much heroic. Like he played through a broken leg. That guy that guy had a stress fracture in his leg. Played through it. It was only it was I think it was only COVID at the end of the year, right? That kept him out of game. Um, w- I just feel like we, you know, we didn't even scratch the surface of what Antonio Gibson could do because he was injured for a huge swath of last season. I'm, I, it didn't do much for me when they drafted when they drafted Robinson. But I, the McKissick I thing I, bothers me more. And now Wentz is his QB. But well, yeah, he's a good there. player. He's a good player. I know, but it's a tough time in the offseason. It looked like he was gone. So yeah, I'm cheating by by saying bringing him back, resigning him. I mean, that happened in the offseason. It looked yeah. like he was as good as gone, and people comfortably moved Gibson up the ranks because they're thinking he was going to be that passing role that he had uh, when McKissick was out uh, at the end of last year. But it's not going to be the case this year. You you mentioned Carson Wentz, and I'm almost at the point. Where remember he was the MVP elect until he got hurt late <laughs> in that one season. I'm yes. almost at the point where that season to me is almost to the outlier as the Nick Foles 27 touchdown, two interception season. <laughs> that people a generation ahead of us will say, wait a minute, what what did Carson Wentz do? What he was really going to be the MVP before his knee got got shot? I just I'm not looking forward to watching another year of Carson Wentz football, man. I, I you know, I know they have a new nickname in Washington and everything. I, I kind of like the football team. I'm not a big commanders guy, but I mean, anything's better than the old nickname. But uh, watching Carson Wentz give away I did kind of like, like football football the football team. I, got, football team I really worked. got football used team to the football team. I would have stuck with that. I'm I kind of sorry I didn't get a football team piece of merchandise. Maybe I'll scare that up before they're all gone. But um, I, I'm not looking forward to Carson Wentz, man. Um, so the Bears. Uh, let me just let me just mention the Justin Fields situation. Like, Obviously, I mean, you look you look around the league. You look what the Jets did for Zach Wilson, right? Zach Wilson had an had an up and down kind of sketchy season. You could really see some positive traits, also uh, some things that he couldn't do very well. But man, did they load up around Zach Wilson? Um, that is all of a sudden a, a great offensive environment. He, I mean, look at what every team around the league tries to do for its young quarterbacks. And I right. realize Jackson you know, spent money. I don't know how they spent right. it, but they they tried to do things to help to help um, Lawrence. Absolutely. And you, you look at the, and listen, the bears are one of those teams that had glaring needs almost everywhere. So you look at any one individual pick, except for perhaps the fact that they took the fourth punter drafted uh, this year, that was kind of insane. You look at every other pick and you're like, well, they need it, right? Like they led off with a corner, then they went safety. I mean, they need those things clearly. 
But there's there's nothing more important to the trajectory of that franchise, obviously, than getting Justin Fields comfortable, um, than than running a, you know a real offense that is tailored to his skills and his limitations, and like, protecting him. Um, so they do draft some offensive linemen. The problem is they they took them. They're all kind of projects, and they took them in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And some of them are going to have to play. Like like it like it's fine in theory to draft a bunch of late round linemen, but when you got to play like three or four of them problem. And then they, and then they whiffed on, not that they were ever going to get one of the top of draft receivers, right? They didn't pick until the second round. They picked their first pick was at 39 overall. And so they weren't going to, they weren't going to land Olave. They weren't going to land Burks. They weren't going to land any of those guys. Um, uh, None of them. They weren't going to get London fine, but their first pick was Valus jones um not somebody i did any work on um valus jones is about to turn 25 yeah he's about to turn 25 valus jones is six months younger six months younger than juju smith schuster who is entering his sixth nfl season (laughs) that is amazing to me um he's really fast basically a brandon whedon pick for the new generation it is incredible um he has yes oh gosh that is a perfect call out um he he has uh, for for somebody who spent six years um, as a college football player, very little to show for it in terms of stats. He's he's just purely a speed guy. They're, they're going to be thrown to. I mean, Mooney's good. Um, the great teams pretty much all have a Darnell Mooney, right? Like he's good, but it's Mooney and it's and it's Byron Pringle and it's Cole Komet and no one is protecting Justin Fields. I don't know. Does any anyone care to talk me off the ledge on that? No. Uh, Vikings going to win the division. I like that call. Yeah, it's it's not That's great in Chicago. Call. It's it's it sucks for Fields. Um, Darnell Mooney can he go crazy though? I mean, I know we all probably have him around thirty ish ranked, but could he be like top fifteen? If he, why can't he like approach lead league in targets? Is he not? Can he not withstand that? How much better can he get? How much are they going to throw? How much how much time is no Justin one there though have to push I mean, the ball downfield? Yeah. What, what um, type of what type of upgrade do we give for Komet? Given that the receiver room is so pedestrian, I. You know what? I tried to. That's a really good. It's a really good point, and I tried to to drag him up as far as that's I could. Point, but yeah. you you run into the. I mean, you you run into the obvious problem, which is that this team might average sixteen points a game, right? Like he's yeah. he's going to be in that fight to score their lone offensive touchdown each week. <laughs> but it's just it's just such a low yield offense. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's brutal. Sorry, Andy. Oh, I Sorry, hate Andy. to go out on a note like that. I really do. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode, you guys. Follow follow Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. Of course, follow Dalton Del Don. He is at Dalton Del Don. I am merely at Andy Barons. While you're there, please, folks, make sure that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Liz Loza and Yahoo Sports Draft expert Erica Edholm, he's really good. Uh, they're going to be back on Thursday with their thoughts coming out of the NFL draft. But until then, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.